0: Merry Christmas everybody, Merry Christmas. good to see you all, welcome to Whitewater, you can grab a seat, uh, we are so glad you're here, uh, I wanted to introduce myself, my name is George, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I have a, a family of four, I have a, a lovely wife Sarah, I, uh, my daughter Novella, and my son Wes, Wes is a little skeptical of cameras as you can tell, uh, luckily he likes to be launched, uh, he'll do, he'll do kind of aerial pictures which is great. Um, and it runs in the family. There's kind of a genetic thing with that. Um, <laughs> she, and she's so light. I could just throw her so high. Um, uh, we, we, we had fun with that. Um, I wanted to give you guys just an overview of the service. Uh, if you're new or maybe like you're coming to church for the first time in a long while or maybe the first time ever You're kind of uh, you're kind of surprised that the building's not on fire that since you're here We are so glad you're here, but I just want to let you know uh, what we have in store And so I'm, I'm going to share a little bit We're going to have an incredible story a, a video of a family uh, called the Wenzels and the story's about their daughter And uh, and afterward we're just going to talk about it and then we're going to sing some uh, some Christmas uh, songs together uh, and then we're going to take an offering. And if you're new or you don't go to our church, that don't worry about uh, the offering. Don't worry about giving anything. We want this service to be a gift to you. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. And, uh, and then we're going to close the service with uh, uh, songs by Candlelight. And it's going to be really fun and, and special. So I uh, want to make sure you guys knew what what was going on. If you're new and you want us to know that you're here, uh, we have these connect cards on the seats around you. And that's a great way to let us know that you're here and for us to be able to know how to serve you. And you can, um, if you're new, maybe that's the only thing you turn in and you can put it in the plate as it goes by later. And there's a box in the back. Uh, We'd love to connect with you that way. And then Whitewater is a place uh, we, we say it's a place you can belong before you believe, meaning you don't have to believe what I believe to, to be here, to build relationships here, and to explore faith. Um, we're so glad that you're here. And if you don't have a, a church home and you're looking to connect or reconnect with a church family. We want to invite you to, to join the family and continue forward on your journey with us. And we want to invite you to uh, our next series uh, starting January 6th. Um, and, and that's the series is going to be called What to Do on the Worst Day of Your Life. And man, life throws all kinds of crazy, unexpected things. And we're going to be talking about how do we handle that? Um, last thing I wanted to let you guys know is there are some amazing people here in the building. Won't you just take a moment to greet one another and wish each other Merry Christmas. you're finding your seats. Uh, If you're looking for room, we got three rows up here. Uh, Move toward the front if you're looking for a spot. We have room for you up here. And it's so good to be here in a packed house for Christmas. Um, Christmas is the time where you see nativity sets. You see uh, people remembering and thinking and dwelling on on the fact that God sent his son into the world in the most unlikely story uh, to parents who are the most unlikely people. Uh, with a little baby, God changed the world uh, through his son Jesus. And I, I love there's this, there's this prophecy that was given about Jesus um, before he was born. And uh, picking up in Matthew chapter 1, it says this, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I love that Jesus name before he was born was God is with us. It was going to be the symbol, it was going to be the reality that God is with his people. And so the whole ministry of Jesus, the whole way of following Jesus is learning how God is with us and how we can be with others and realize and become more aware how God is with us in the world no matter what we're going through. Um and one of the most imp- one most powerful ways That Jesus demonstrated being with us was in his ministry of healing that Jesus would draw near the broken. He would draw near the hurting, near the sick, and he would heal them to bring them back into restoration and rest, restored relationships and back into the worshiping community. Because if you were sick in his culture, you couldn't worship with your people. And that was everything. The, the center of life was around that in this culture. And I, I love it's the, the picture of Jesus being with us as the healer. is never more clear than in Matthew 9, where he's hanging out with a bunch of sinners and the religious guys see him. When the Pharisees saw this, it says in verse 11, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such uh, scum? And when, uh, when they heard this, uh, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. I'm not here to heal people who think that they're healthy. I'm here to heal people who know that they're sick. I love that Jesus came and and he, and he saw a world that was broken, sick, and hurting. And he didn't run from it. When the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they saw sin, they saw it as like a sickness that could infect them. And so they ran from it. They separated themselves from it. They judged it. They, they uh, condemned it and, and, and used it to lift themselves up and push others down. And Jesus sees the same sickness in the world, the same sin problem. He doesn't see, he's not afraid of it as an infection that could come. Him, get him. He runs to it like a doctor and he runs to it like the, the infection of sin should be afraid of him. And in the, the kingdom of darkness should be afraid of the kingdom of light and he goes to help and he engages it. And the, the reality of this Way of Jesus teaches us that the church, the, the community of Jesus is, is a hospital for healing. Not, a, not a, a fashion show to look good for people. Not a university to show how much knowledge we have. It's a hospital primarily to, to bring healing to people. My question is, how do you and your family deal with sickness and ha- hospitals and people who are, are really sick? My family, um, my mom was kind of a tough love gal. I mean, if you were sick and had pneumonia, it, that's okay. You can still go on the hike. If you were going into surgery, that's okay. You were going to have a quick healing. And uh, I remember going in for appendicitis. They pulled that thing out of me. Um, I was put under. They didn't just... And, and I went for surgery and uh, came back, and they gave me the meds, and I had like, you know, pain medications and all that stuff, and, but my, my family had a party to go to. I think it was near Easter, and I was in eighth grade, and they're like, you're fine, and they're like, we're going to go to the party, and uh, all you do is rest, and I was kind of out of it, and they're like, here's your pills. Here's where everything is. This will make you all better. You know, in two hours when you wake up, just take one. You'll be fine, and, uh, and then they went to the party. Well, I woke up, not knowing where in the world I was. And I was just super confused. And I, and I started wandering around looking for my pills that were right next to me. And I couldn't find them. So I tore apart all the, all the bathrooms, the kitchen, all the drawers. Everything was just like messed up. And all of a sudden, my parents came home and uh, opened the door from the garage. And there I was standing. I still had like the, the robe you get. That it's kind of the scantily clad robe um, from the hospital. And they looked at me and they're like, George, what are you doing? And I was like, you left me. You left your son without his drugs, and my mom. She was so sympathetic. She fell down laughing. I remember on the stairs. This was the part I remember. And they just they were laughing at me. Like our this our family handles sickness and disease like this I guess my my wife didn't know how we handled these things and my mom went in for surgery and it was successful and it, it really preserved her life and she came out of it we went up to the hospital and uh, she's like everybody come to the hospital like right after the surgery like cuz we're tough and we we're, we're fine and and so we got in there and it smelled like antiseptics and uh you heard the pitter-patter of nurses all around and then we you know we're in the room and my mom starts describing the surgical procedure and the knife that they would use because she's a nurse, so she knows everything. And she's like, Here's what they did, and here's where they cut, and here's and there's the doctor, and they're like, Oh yeah, and there was blood and like he's describing this and my wife, you saw her, she's this delicate, beautiful blonde. She all of a sudden slowly moses over to this chair, sits down like slowly, elegantly, and puts her head back like this, and I think, you know, she's just like praising God or something. And she just closes her eyes and passes out. <laughs> like this. And I'm standing here. I'm looking over at her, like, what is going on? And I was like, Sarah. And she was just like, like serenely, elegantly, passed out, sitting straight up. And I was like, Sarah, just like, oh, oh, I, I must have passed out. She's like, they started talking about the blood and the blade and and the smells and the room started spinning. She's like, I just had to pass out. <laughs> we also um, remember going into the hospital with Sarah. We were pregnant. We we're going in for routine. Um, Checkups, and they were doing sonograms, you know, for heartbeats and seeing how Sarah was doing. And we went in; it was in Ju- it was in June, and uh, the the doctor there um, looked at me and it's like, I can't find a heartbeat. And you you have twins. We didn't know we had twins, um, and everything had checked out. We were at twenty one, about twenty one weeks. It was that checkup, and things are normally fine from from there on out. Like the hearts are are stopped. And the doctor said, we're going to send you to another room. I might just not be able to find them. We're going to get a better sonogram and we're going to have another doctor come in and check who's a specialist. And so we walked down this long hallway. I remember hearing the sound of like, they always have rollers on the chairs in the hospitals. And again, the smells of antiseptics and cleaners. And and we get to this room, we're sitting there and it was like probably 10, 15 minute wait, but it felt like a hundred years. Have you ever been in, in 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 that gap, in that room where you're just waiting and you don't know what's going to happen? We did, we you know we just were shell shocked. We Started praying. I didn't even know what to think, and we were just praying, Lord, would you would they find the heartbeats? Would 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 our babies be okay? And we were shocked too because we didn't know we had twins. And then the doctor came in, did the sonogram, and informed us. He's like, I'm so sorry to tell you, but there is no heartbeat it was really surreal like the moment hit where we only had like these 15 minutes that felt forever and then we we're and then we were given this news like we had no clue that it was going to happen that day and uh i just remember then the surrealness and the tears and the prayers and like what are we going to do how are we going to pro- how do we tell people this and then um realizing that this room that we were sitting in actually was the same room that our daughter was born in It was just such a strange realization, like the same room that brought life and joy is now the same room where sorrow and loss. I feel like the human heart is a lot like that, like like the same heart that can be filled with joy and life can be filled with sorrow and tears and loss. And um, even in that room, though, Sarah and I can tell you that God met with us there. He was real to, in our pain and in our anger and our disbelief in our shock, like all these emotions, He was in the room. He was with us. And today, I want you to to hear about the healing Father who is with us in the uncertainty and in the chaos, in the room where we feel like, what's going to happen? Would you watch this story about the healing Father who is with us? So monitor on to, to Daddy's here. The park park
1: and fusion. We're here with you, point one, point three, point one six and heaven is yeah. so trying going, And uh, has been that. I keep system. fighting. They're gonna bring in a new machine. She's That's gonna, and gonna help you more, model, even more, okay? Than it's gonna <laughs> help than you fight this 100. infection. I really do agree. Stay strong, sweetheart.
2: Brandon holding my hand and just saying it's happening Abby it's happening but little do we know like just how crazy things would get the baby was born in cardiac arrest she was born fundamentally dead is what they told us her umbilical cord was pinched and so she was receiving no oxygen to the brain The nurse practitioner, I just knew when he walked in, something was very wrong. He had all the color drained out of his face and he was actually tearing up. And he sat down on the edge of the bed and I really thought he was going to say, the baby's gone. Mm -hmm. But he basically told us, you know, we've found that the baby's infected with group B strep. Um, She's septic, has suffered brain damage from no oxygen being delivered to her brain.
1: Everything was just kind of spinning almost, you know, just being in that room and being like, this is real right now. Mm-hmm. I I, I don't even know where to touch her. She was just covered on in every limb with stuff.
2: If you can just imagine, there's this baby that is 92 degrees, completely cold to the touch, completely sedated. She's not moving at all, bleeding out at several spots, also on ECMO, so Her chest is completely flat. There's no movement in her chest because the machine is doing all the work for her. It was like, where is my child? Like, there's just nothing
1: even there. Another doctor came out and and spoke with us and said, We'll have to see how these next 24 hours go. It's possible that she doesn't make it. Um, And I just remember feeling like, what? not again (laughs) I lost my dad unexpectedly Um, like a year and a half beforehand and just thinking to myself like not again God I don't want to do this again and I think that was like the first time that we really prayed like God show up and show off
2: how can Brandon suffer loss again? How will I tell my kids? That was the hardest. How am I going to tell Elliot Nanny, my son, who has been so looking forward to meeting his baby sister? He wouldn't even talk to us, but he would ask, "Is she going to die tonight?" And I didn't know how to answer that question. And so I just said, "Buddy, I don't know, but we can pray." I just said, "Lord, I don't know if I have the faith." Wanted so much would you just give it to me would you give me that
1: faith is being able to believe what you can't see and faith is, is being able to say that the, the God we serve is bigger than this that this isn't beyond him when things are good I trusted you God And when things don't seem to be going well at all, am I going to stop now? (laughs) No, now I need you more than ever before. I remember um, really feeling like, God, I believe you can heal Lily. I believe you will heal Lily. Uh, But even if you don't, I am going to still trust you. I hadn't been on Facebook for probably a year. I I just said, like, hey, would you please join us in praying? We're on the way to Seattle Children's. Uh, Lily's going to fight for her life. Um, I just threw it out there. Several hours later, there are, like, 3,000 shares on that. God is moving people to prayer. God is using this little girl to remind people that he is very much alive. You know, we learned that there were people you know, who were gathering in our hometown in Puyallup uh, at like the center of town at a park, and there was people there uh, worshiping God and, and praying in groups.
2: This terrible thing is happening, and yet he lifts us, mm-hmm. and he carries us, and he blesses us. Who else can do that but mm-hmm. God?
1: Joy. It's eight days
2: old and it's the first day of held
1: The first time you have ever held
2: mm-hmm. her. And look at that, girl. It's the best feeling in the whole world. I remember just posting, like, she's coming off of ECMO, it was a shock even to us. Mm-hmm. That was a huge victory. Mm-hmm. And just in that same timing, the attending doctor came by and painted this analogy of okay. She's off of ECMO. Basically, though, this girl has got to climb Mount Rainier and she hasn't even found her shoes yet. It was just enough hope Mm -hmm. that it was like, maybe God can do this, you know? She's met every milestone thinking that we need to track her through early intervention. She didn't even qualify for it. She scored Mm -hmm. above average on, on everything. And her social emotional score was like off the charts because she's so engaged. Her brain is fine.
1: God was with us in that room. God was with us all along that journey when there was like just absolute uncertainty and chaos. I think rather than saying, God, why? Or God, where are you? I think it's important that we consider like, God, I need you. He draws near to the broken. Mm-hmm. When we choose to trust him in that, when we're we're willing to say, God, this is beyond us. There were people that uh, we met in the hospital who weren't getting the answers to their prayers.
2: There was a mom that sewed blankets. She had sewn the same pattern of a blanket for her daughter, who did not make it. To reach out to this family in need, whose story turned out, Wonderfully, I'm sure she wishes her story turned out that way, and for her to love that mm-hmm. way, despite is incredible. and mm-hmm. shows us the love of God. That's that's what happens when you know God.
1: At seven weeks, we left the hospital. Forty nine days, people had heard that we were coming home, um, and family and friends and and people from the community neighbors that we really don't even know that well that have been following Lily's story, Um, they all showed up at our house. Mm -hmm. That was special. Yeah, come here,
2: baby. Bye, everybody. Oh my goodness, this is so cool.
1: Oh. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think you can follow this story and look at what was and look at what is now and say God didn't play a role in that. Doctors who are often reluctant to give up any sort of concession to something outside of medical uh, intervention have said this girl's a little miracle. the story isn't over you know that it's not like okay God did that and now he's done. I think that 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 God is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow and God is certainly no less capable uh, now than he was this summer to enter into whatever life has and Mm -hmm. to be able to walk with us and and before us and to guide us into that darkness and just say like hey i'm with you Mm -hmm. Um, and i can bring light into the darkness if you'll trust me one doctor said i read her charts this morning and i expected to walk in and see a train wreck and then his eyes welled up with tears and he said that's not at all what's here this girl's beautiful Mm -hmm. She's and it's just like, football. yeah, that's the work of a mighty God. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He cares to know you. Yeah. You know, he's standing on the corner uh, holding signs, ready to celebrate us coming back to him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, saying, like, I- I've been waiting. I don't care where you've been mm-hmm. and what you've been doing. I don't care what sort of shame you're carrying with you or guilt that you feel. I love you, and I want to know you. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I'm for you. I'm not against you. Mm-hmm. I just wish that you would build a relationship with me because you will find that it is so good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would do without God.
0: Hmm. Only God can do something like that. Um, I remember walking in to anoint her with oil and pray for her, and just your heart hits the floor. You see all these tubes and machines keeping her alive, and it and only God. That was a a miracle movement of God's hand, and um, isn't it incredible the joy that has come and is continuing to flow out of what God has done through that little baby. I think about the Christmas story, the most unlikely story that God would give his son as a baby in human form, and just how the world didn't know what was coming, but a few people did. And the miracle after miracle, like joy upon joy, came from that little baby. And I love how, how Brandon said it. He said, uh, God is using this little girl to remind people that he is very much alive. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk to you in these uh, few moments we have together is to talk to you about trust, truth, and turning. How do we trust that God is a healing father when we're in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty? We're in the room and we don't know what's going to happen. And life and death and health and relationship, um, everything maybe we, our life stands on is, is is hanging in the balance. How do we trust that God. I love when Brandon said God was with us in that room. God was with us all along that journey when there was absolute uncertainty and chaos. And it's in those moments where there is chaos and there is uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. That we we have to learn that we can trust that the healing father is with us. Remember Emmanuel? That's how Jesus would be known, and that God is with us, that we're not alone we open our eyes to that? When we, we ask, where are you, God? Or we say, God, I need you, and I need to see you, and I need you in this moment. How do we have that kind of trust? That kind of trust like Abby when she says, Lord, I don't know if I have the faith right now, but I want it so much. Would you give, just give it to me. Just give me that faith. And just that cry alone is turning to God. And, and I, I believe this is true, that trust is revealed in the chaos by what you turn to like when it's when everything's going great and everything's fine everything's going according to plan it's easy to trust god or it's easy to continue living life like and keeping god out here on the side cuz i can handle everything but it's when the chaos hits it's when the darkness comes it's when you don't you can't find your way you don't know how to get yourself out of this issue and there's nothing you can do and you're out, you're out of control like there's nothing within your control that's when trust reveals itself. What do you turn to? And I just love the, the story, the, the example that you guys give. that the, We can turn to the, to the healing father who isn't far away. He's not like the Pharisees who have run off and they're condemning and they're using the sickness as an excuse to run away and separate themselves. That we have a healing father who comes right to the room with us, right where we're in pain and right where we need him. So how do you have and sustain that kind of faith? How do, how, do we, how do we grow in that? How can we begin to have that in our own hearts and life? No matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, you could have walked in here and you, you're angry with God. How do we have that kind of faith? And I think one of the first things that I noticed in the story and just knowing Brandon and Abby over the years is that the, their faith has been built up to this point. Nothing can prepare you for a moment like this, but, but there are small moments of trust, small moments of faith that can help you when there's when big faith is needed when it when when it's darkest it can help you in those moment moments of uncertainty and chaos and then the other thing is that that many people don't surround themselves with a community of faith, a family of faith. They don't have people that they're vulnerable with, that they share their fears with, that they share their deepest joys with, whether it's worry or it's joy. They don't have people in their life that they've brought in close that are a foundation for them. And if you notice that, that, that Brandon and Abby had lived life in such a way that they had friends that they could text. They had friends that, hey, they put it out on Facebook. Friends that actually cared about them more than just seeing images on Facebook. But people who began praying for them, people who began putting their hearts and hands and, and minds to work for them. And God unleashed his church, the, the community of faith, the community that is a hospital, not a fashion show, not a not a just a university, a place where people are healed. And there's medics and people who are willing to run to you and do whatever is needed. God unleashed the church, a community around them. Amen. Do you have a community around you? So that not if the trial comes, not if the tragedy comes, not if the uncertainty comes, not if like you're sitting in that room, not knowing what's going to happen, but when that happens, do you have the family, a family of God, a spiritual family, willing to pray for you, lift you up to God, and support you in whatever way possible? I just think that is one of the most powerful things I saw through this movement, this movement of God. But we know that not all of us walk out of the room with Lily. Some of us walk out of the room with no babies. With no, that the prayer was not answered the way we wanted. The cancer was not healed. The relationship was not put back together. The betrayal was deeper than we thought. It's just getting worse. And it can feel so lonely in those moments. And that's, I think, one of the biggest tests. And how can we have joy when we have that kind of sorrow? Some people can see that story and we're moved. But we're like, God, how come you didn't do that for me? Where were you? For myself. Me and Sarah, our twins would be their middle child, little Annie. They would be, they would be like exactly the same age. That's when their, their due dates were the same and we didn't get to bring them home. But I have joy whenever I see that little girl. Because it's a picture of what God has planned. That someday I get to see those little ones restored. And that the healing of Lily is what God is ultimately doing. And I, and I didn't get the healing when I wanted. But I know that the God who healed Lily in the, in our midst was giving us a picture of what we get to look forward to. Those of us who have had incredible loss and things didn't go the way we prayed or we wanted and we're, and we've, been, we've settled for anger rather than settling for, for, for reaching out to God and seeing Him and asking Him, turning to Him. The Bible teaches us that some people, when trusting God in the waiting, receive their loved ones back again from death. And there's resurrection. There's life, and they have a beautiful story. They walk out of the out of the out of the the doctor's room cancer free, or they walk home with the baby. They walk um, they walk free with a restored marriage. Uh, But it says also in Hebrews 11, but others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Like their faith was being tested and they would not relinquish their faith. They wouldn't turn away from God. And what, what did they get for it? They were tortured. They didn't get what they wanted. They, they People walk home without their, their prayers answered. But I love in Hebrews 11, it goes on to say, these were all commended, all these people, for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better. The question is, do we believe whether it turns out the way we want or not? Do we believe in, a, in the goodness of God, the goodness of a healing father who cares about it, who's with us, that he has a better plan for us and someday in the process, in the midst of loss, in the midst of un, uh, uncertainty and not knowing, in the midst of all that, there is a God at work in our world restoring it and there's a goal that the world will be restored and there's something better that we can look forward to. Will we trust him for it? Will we believe like, Rome, like Romans 8, Says that we know that God causes everything, even the bad, the good, the middle, the worst, He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love Him. In the chaos and the uncertainty, will we trust the Healing Father is with us? Brandon said, Faith is being able to believe what you can't see. Faith is is being able to say that the God we serve is bigger than all this. That this isn't beyond him. When things are good, I trusted you. And when things don't seem to be going good, am I going to stop trusting you now? I love Brandon saying no. Now is when I need you more than ever. It's at that point where you can say, I'm gonna give up or I'm angry and there's there's nothing for me here. Will you say no? I need him more than ever now. Why would I turn back when I'm, I need him at the most right now? And the truth is, we need the truth. And the truth is that we all need healing, don't we? I don't know if you know this, but before Lily um, was born, Brandon and Abby's house was wrecked. The week before she was born, the house was filled, uh, the whole basement went septic. Thousands of dollars. And then Lily was born septic. And I remember Brandon and some others remarking, isn't it interesting? Like there's this picture of a home going completely septic right before a little girl is born septic. And there's like this, I would call it a prophetic word, it was like, man, as that house was being restored by God and God's people and family and, and people of faith who have the skills, to, as they were rebuilding and restoring that home, God, through his love, through the hands of the doctors, through the prayers of the saints all around the world, and through uh, the care of the family and, and the parents, Brandon and Abby, God was restoring this little girl, this story. And it was just, it's incredible what God was doing but there's a third picture here to me that moves from the, the, a little girl who was, was septic to fully restored, that you and I are Lily, that we are born into a septic world, uh, that we are born septic, and we have, we have sin and sickness in our life, and it, and it gets into our relationships, it gets into our decisions, and we live with regret because of the, the world that we're in. I mean, there are people with marriages that are about to blow up. And flame out. we got people with addictions that are just all of a sudden flaming up in their life. And it's it's getting out of control. And and, and there are people that are walking through the midst of of tragedy and hardship. Because we live in a septic world that is broken. We even have uh, people in the school, Puyallup School District, that community, that are grieving because there are kids who took their own life in this last season. Because they didn't have the will to live. Like, friends, we live in a world needing to be healed. You and I need to be healed. And there is a loving Father who wants to heal us. Healthy people don't need a doctor, Jesus says. Sick people do. I came to heal the sick. How does Jesus do this? He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could uh, be dead to sin and live for what is right. And 1 Peter 2.24 goes on to say, By his wounds, you and I are healed. Matthew 8 says he took our sickness and removed our diseases so that when we're lying on the table, machines keeping us alive, our souls are sick and septic. The biggest miracle isn't just a physical healing, isn't it mental, emotional, relational. It is the spiritual healing of our soul so that we can have eternity with God. Jesus absorbs our sickness and sin to heal us and bring us home. The key is that we have to turn to the healer, for him to bring us home. I love Acts 28 says this, for this people's hearts have grown callous. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and get this, turn to me and I would heal them. We have a father, who's looking at us, who are dying and hurting and broken, and he doesn't run from it, he runs to it, and he looks at us and he wants to heal us. If only we would turn from him. And in Jesus' ministry, there are people that would know that he was a healer. They knew that he had power. They knew that he came for them, that he loved them. And yet there were these variety of responses. Some people just chose to ignore the sickness. Like I'm not sick, and just spread the sickness that they had, and get, and it would get worse in them. And the Pharisees tried to deny it by condemning others and saying, "Well, my sin isn't as bad as that, and that, and that, and my sickness is. I'm just not that sick." When it was, they were they were lying to themselves. They were lying to the doctor who was in front of them, Jesus, the surgeon, saying, "You're you are soul sick." And some people, they're like, well, maybe God isn't powerful enough to heal me. Maybe Jesus isn't powerful. His work on the cross, the power of the Spirit in his life can't heal me. And God just doesn't have that power. I'm just too, I'm unworthy and it's too, my sin is too great. But some people took Jesus at his word and they turned to him and received healing. I want to invite you today to respond and turn to Jesus and maybe up to this point, you've ignored or you've denied, or you've run from. And I don't know. My uncle, they got so sick one time, they didn't know what was going on, and he couldn't breathe, lost 80 percent of his breathing. And he was lying in bed his feather pillows and feather blankets, and right before they thought he was going to die, a doctor realized he had an allergy to feathers. And he was like, "I love those feathers." but he had to let them go and choose life and he was fully restored some of us it's that simple we just need to turn from that which we think is giving us what we want and turn to God the last image I'll leave with you is this at the beginning of that video Brandon is next to his daughter hooked up to tubes in the chaos in the uncertainty they don't know what's going to happen he's got his hand on her chest do you see that? right over her heart. You fast forward to the end of that story and you see him, you see Abby bringing her home. And for me, this whole day is that image that maybe seeing that story, hearing their story about this little girl that God did a miracle is God saying, I love you deeper than the Wenzels, deeper than their family, deeper than their church, deeper than anybody. Love Lily. I love you. I love Lily. And it's like he's putting his hand right over your heart today saying, let me heal you. Whatever has been septic in your life, let me heal you so that I can bring you home. The purpose of healing the sickness is to bring us home. Amen? So if you would want to take a step of faith today, would you bow your heads? If you need God to heal you, you need to take that step. Just turn to Him. Trust Him. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for being my healer, the healer of the heart, healer of the mind, the body, and the healer of the soul. Thank You for sending Your Son Jesus to absorb the sickness of my soul while he was on the cross so that i could be healed so that i could be brought home jesus i trust you with all my heart and i surrender my life to you i commit my whole life to helping heal the spiritual wounds of the people you bring to my life in jesus name amen in that homecoming friends there is celebration. Could we celebrate anybody who made a decision to follow Christ and be healed? Go ahead and let's celebrate. We're so happy for you. I want to invite you on your next step in your journey. Next week, we have two special things. We're going to have a celebration service with baptism. So if you want to go public with your faith, and I trusted in Jesus, and I, I'm, I am on his team, you can be baptized. Uh, And then also afterward, we're having a lunch for people who have been impacted by this story that want to get into a spiritual family or they've taken a step of faith. You can meet with the pastors. We have a lunch and we just talk about what's your next steps on your journey. And Brandon and Abby will be there so they can hear your story and you can talk to them. They would love to help you move forward. Let's stand and let's sing.